Ross Johnston was conceived via artificial insemination in 1994, was raised in a lesbian secular household. And then at the age of 16, he became a Christian and everything changed. Now he's on a mission to share the gospel with as many people as possible, not just in the country, but specifically in the state of California. Today, he's here to tell us his story, how God finally satisfied the longing that he had for a dad and why he cares so much about saving California through the power of the Holy Spirit. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Ross, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, first, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Ross Johnston. I'm currently living in SoCal, everybody's favorite place to be. Yeah. And what I do right now is actually co-lead a ministry called California Will Be Saved. And so what we do is, if you can imagine the most influential cities in California, we take a full sound system, we do live worship, live music, preach the gospel, and then we, we baptize people right there in the ocean and plug them into local churches. So that's what I'm doing full time at the moment. Okay, we got to back up then. We got to yeah. back up to hear how you came to do what you do now. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about the household that you were raised in. Were you raised in this kind of revivalist Christian home? <laughs> yeah, it honestly starts from day one because I was born by artificial insemination. Um, and the reason why I was born that way is my mom was and is living in a lesbian lifestyle. And so I grew up in a two mom household that was quote unquote normal for me. And so my whole life, as I was, you know, from zero to 16 years old, every time, you know, we had a friend over or we had a party or birthday party, whatever the case may be, it was typically somebody from that community. And so it's a very interesting interesting backdrop because I definitely was not raised in a revival or Christian atmosphere. Yeah. Yet God pursued me. He found me. He saved me. And so here I am yeah. today. Okay. Let's dig into the details of that. We talk mm -hmm. about that a lot on this show, um, just the formation of the family, but also the reproductive industry, something like sperm donation. Uh, what was the first moment that you realized, oh, my family's a little different, that I've got mm -hmm. two moms and my friends seem to have a dad. Hmm, that's a little odd. Yeah, well, honestly, it wasn't too different to me because it was how I was raised. But then as I got older and started thinking, started asking questions and came to the Lord at 16 years old, I was like, okay, I actually have to figure out like, what is different about my life? Why do I have two moms as opposed to most people who I see have a one mom, one father? And so, so I would say- So it really say, wasn't until you were about 16 that you started really even thinking about that. Because you yeah. said that a lot of people that came to your house, were they were homosexual themselves. Yes. And so it was just kind of normal for you. Yeah, it was kind of normal. Like there wasn't really any questions to be asked because I didn't even know what questions to ask, right? But then when you give your life to Jesus and you start learning about him and the Holy Spirit enters into your heart and you're like, wow, this is not the language I like to say. This is not the design of God. This is not how God created the family to operate. And so when I started having that revelation, I was like, wow, there is something different about my upbringing than many other people. And so that's what led me to start asking questions like, well, mom, like, tell me more about our family, you know, tell me more about, do you know my dad? You know, and, and as those questions start to kind of come to the surface, you start figuring out really quickly, okay, this is a much different story than maybe I even mm. knew was possible or existed. So you don't remember when you're five or six years old, 
ever having those questions or ever aching for mm-hmm. a dad? Or was it just like, this is just what my life is and you never even questioned it until yeah. you were a teenager? So that's a really great question because though it was normal for me or what was normal to me, inside of me was a different story, mm. right? Because on the outside, it's like, okay, this is where I'm growing up. I have my two moms, this is the household. But inside, I'm like, I didn't know what the language was or what the expression was, but I was longing, like you said, for a father. I was longing for somebody who would provide, who would protect. And my mom did many of those things. But once again, when the woman's role is trying to step into the man's role, there's gonna be differences there. There's gonna be uh, what I would say almost um, really challenging areas that my mom couldn't fulfill, even though she tried her best. And so deep down in my heart, as I got older, especially when I came to the Lord, I was like, wow, that's why I felt lonely. That's why I felt anxious. That's why I felt hopeless because I never had a true father who actually was able to father me as I was being raised up. Mm. And tell us then, well, first, before I actually ask about your conversion or your coming to the Lord, what kind of religious environment were you raised in with two moms? So I actually had never been to church my entire life. Never heard a worship song. I never heard a sermon. I mean, I had, I like to say like this, I had zero grid for Jesus. I had zero grid for the Bible. I never opened up a Bible. So when I first went to church, like everything was completely brand new to me. So it was uh, a zero. (laughs) Okay, so no no religious background at all. Mm -hmm. Do you remember your mom's having any like animosity towards religion or Christianity Mm -hmm. or no? You know, it's honestly a really interesting story because when I was, so from the time I was zero to 16 years old, my mom was with a certain partner. Yeah. And in that time frame, that partner of hers would actually, she would say the name of Jesus or, you know, mention church or things like that. But there was no, what I would say, personal engagement of our hearts towards the Lord. Right. And then, at 16, they actually split. And so it's almost like I had this like little mm. voice, tiny, small voice of somebody who wasn't necessarily walking with the Lord, but still using his name. And so then when I came to the Lord, it like shifted my whole perspective because I said, whoa, this Jesus that I at least heard the name of, now I actually know who he is. Yeah. And that's what really shifted everything in my life. So I noticed that you say mom, you don't say mm. moms. Mm-hmm. The two women that you were raised by zero to 16, mm-hmm. do you consider the woman who left at 16 your your mom too? Yeah, great. Yeah. So I've never called her mom. Really? And, you know, even before I was a Christian, and, and the reason why I use this specific language is because it's so important for people to understand. We're not just talking about like one person's life, especially when we see our culture now and how there's this is running through our entire nation. Yeah. And I like to say, hey, if you don't walk in the design of God, you can't walk in the blessing of God. So how does that do with the moms? Well, we're only created to have one mom when we're here on the earth, right? And so I never called her mom, even before I knew the Lord, because that's not the design of God. So it's not gonna naturally come out. Now, maybe I can force it. Maybe I can try to make it into something it's yeah. not. But for me, my whole experience, I've always called my biological mom, mom. And she never pushed you to call her partner mom too. Yeah, I never recall my mom ever trying to, you know, and, I, and I've actually had that, somebody asked me that question recently and I was like, man, I can't remember a time where my mom was like, hey, you must call her mom. Um, yeah. But I do know that my mom, she was really gracious to me growing up yeah. and she really cared for me well. And yeah. so I think she was like, hey, I'm not gonna force my son to do something if he doesn't wanna mm. do it. Yeah. And I'm honestly really grateful that my mom at least had the ability to like say, hey, I wanna give you grace. 
I'm gonna make you're gonna you're allowed to kind of choose what you want to do in this situation, even though she was living in a specific lifestyle. Okay, it is time for me to tell you again about one of my favorite sponsors, a sponsor of this show that has been faithful for years now, and that is Good Ranchers. It's also one of my most used sponsors because we eat Good Ranchers every night. I love their variety of meat that we get on dry ice to our front door. They've got better than organic chicken. They've got pre-marinated chicken. They've got like Italian herb. They've got fajita chicken. They've also got non-pre-marinated chicken. And then of course, they've got their cuts of steak, all different kinds. My husband absolutely loves cooking steak and he's great at it. So we always have this on hand. We've got ground beef. If you like seafood, they've got different kinds of seafood. They even have really high quality pork. I mean, they really have it all. And it's all from American Farms and Ranches. This is a family-owned company. They're Christians. They have the same values that you and I do. So it's just a win all around. Plus you're saving time. So you don't have to go to the grocery store, pick out those cuts of meat yourself and you're saving money because if you subscribe, they will lock in the price that you pay right now for the next two years. So you'll get that box of meat every month to your front door. And rather than having to deal with the inflation that you will inevitably see at the grocery store, buying your meat, you can just lock in your price. So lots of wins all around. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout for $30 off your order. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. It's interesting kind of what you said about God writing his design on all of our hearts naturally, that even your mom, even though she was living outside of God's design, it's like she knew that the natural and right thing was for a child to have one mom. Yes. And I think, I want, I don't know if it's rare, but I do think, as you said, it's good that she didn't force that on you. She didn't force at least that confusion on you to say, no, you have two moms, even though that's mm-hmm. a biological impossibility. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wonder if that kind of allowed you or set you up for greater clarity later on because she didn't force that confusion on you early. That's really interesting. Yeah, well, one thing that I've really found, you know, especially if we look in the last 10 or 20 years of our culture, it seems like this LGBTQ agenda, it's really coming to the surface. Like it's always been there, right? There's always people that have lived that lifestyle, but it seems to be more prevalent. Whereas with my mom, she never actually forced it upon me, which is really like, she never forced me in the sense of like, hey, you must believe this, you must follow this. Now, obviously when I became a Christian, (laughs) there's some conversations we had to have and I was so new in the faith that I really didn't know what to say. I just, I was like, hey, I love Jesus. You know, his word says that this is not the lifestyle of of a believer. And so we had to have some real conversations. But the amazing thing is, is even till this day, my mom and I, we engage in conversation. And I'm really honest with her. I say, mom, you know I love you. I'm so grateful for everything you did for me, but I'm believing that you would personally engage with Jesus in your heart, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where our relationship is today. And when her partner left, when you were 16, so I'm this is around the time that you became a Christian. Same it, week. Same week. So was that destabilizing for you? Even though you didn't consider her a mm-hmm. mom, I, I imagine that that was a hurtful shift in your life when they were no longer together. Yeah, it was a really challenging week because in that in that week when they were splitting up, obviously before any relationship splits up, there's gonna be tension and there's gonna be just strife in the house. And as a kid, you can discern that whether you know it or not. Then add on top of that, it's my first time ever going to church. I walk into the church building and for the first time in my life, I'm actually sensing the presence of God. And 
So I go home, I have this tension kind of happening at the house, which seems for a 15, 16 year old, it's really challenging, right? Mm -hmm. And I also have a younger brother. And then I go to church and it's like, the world is completely different. I'm full of hope. I'm full of peace. Um, there's grace. I'm feeling the presence of God. And so it was like these two worlds, these two tensions kind of colliding in that week. Yeah. And so it was a really challenging moment because as much as I love my mom, there's tension happening in the household, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, it was really challenging. So tell me how you were invited to church. How yeah. did you become a Christian? It's actually a funny story. A friend of mine from my high school says, hey, do you want to come to church with me and my grandma? I say, sure, why not? I show up, typical story. I'm sitting in the back row of the church. I wasn't mad. I was actually genuinely curious, but I was sitting back there and the worship was playing. Like I said, this is the first time I had ever heard live worship music. So as soon as I hmm. heard live worship music, and I and like I said, at the time, I didn't know what this was, but it was the presence of God. I was an easy one. I said, presence of God? I feel great. I'm full of hope. I'm full of joy. Jesus, here's my life, you know? And I even remember going home that night. and The and, first time you went to church. Yeah, that was wow. kind of, that was like my original reaction reaction as my friend actually asked me she said how did you like the service i said i'm not really sure what i think but i know what i feel yeah <laughs> and i feel full of hope i i feel excited i feel something's going on right so i go home that night and you know anytime you go to sunday service for the most part the pastor gives what we would call an altar call and the pastor says hey you know do you want to give your life to jesus so i go home that night and i'm thinking if i'm going to give my life to something this needs to be like the real deal. You know, I don't want to just be a good person who reads a good book and goes to a good church. Like, God, if you really are real, like this pastor said, Jesus, if you are the Messiah, I want to know you. I want to know you. And sure enough, day after day in my room, I would just sense the presence of God over and over. And I said, here's my life. So do you remember in those first church services, hearing the gospel? Like, do you have a, like tangible memories of that? I have tangible memories of different pieces. Like I can't remember, yeah. like, you know, some people, they have these crazy encounters of what they would say. <laughs> they have these moments that are like, whoa, like I really, I heard my name or, or this or something. Yeah. For me, it wasn't like that. It was more so like my whole life, I longed for this peace in my heart. Yeah. And for the first time, I actually felt that I had language for that through the gospel. Mm. And so the gospel was the language for what my heart was longing for my entire life. Yeah. And so when I heard it, when I sensed it, when I felt it, I was like, this is it right here. Yeah. This is Jesus. He's not just some man. He's not just a book. He's not just a building. No, he's actually a relationship. And so yeah. that shifted everything for me. So it was an affirmation of what you already knew that you needed, mm -hmm. but you couldn't yet put into words. Yeah. So the message that you were a sinner mm -hmm. bound for hell, that I think sometimes is an impediment for people who yeah. don't think that they need a savior or who think that they're generally a good person. Mm -hmm. For someone like you who didn't have that kind of theological background, I imagine yeah. that you weren't taught, hey, you're a sinner in need of a savior growing up. What was that aspect of the gospel like? Or was that also just affirmation? Were you kind of like, yeah, I already know I messed up. <laughs> well, like I said, growing up, I always felt this sense of like nobody actually knew me. Mm. right or nobody actually cared even though my mom was she cared for me and she took care of me in my soul and my heart it felt like nobody actually cared for ross it was what i would like to call like an orphan spirit right mm. where i always saw me against the world or i remember specifically when i would go to friends houses we had enough food on the table we had a house we had everything we needed but i'd always try to eat as much as i could right or i'd always try to make sure that i took care of ross first get mm. as much as i could for ross Right. And so when I heard the gospel, it confronted that orphan spirit that no, you're not alone. 
You do have a father. Hmm. And not only do you have a father, he cares about you. He wants to provide for you and he wants to protect you. So it was almost like the gospel, though sin is obviously a critical component of the gospel and understanding that we are separated from God. It was like, I was so overjoyed to know that there's actually a God and I have a father that for me, I was like, yeah, I'm a sinner. Like whatever you need to do, Lord, here I am. I repent. Like I was just all in because for the first time in my life, I actually had that heart connection. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that you lacked a sense of belonging. Even though Mm. you did have a home, you Mm. were not an orphan, you had a mother who loved you, and yet you still kind of felt like you were just wading through the world, right? Without any direction and without someone who was really intently watching over you. Yeah, I even remember, this is gonna sound funny, but it'll make sense. Uh, The first person, like the first girlfriend I ever had in high school, when we broke up, I like had to force myself to cry. So I'd listen to specific songs, right? And I know most people have had that story, but the reason like secondhand serenade or something like that. I don't know if we're the same age, but that's what we would have listened to, emo (laughs) songs like that. Yeah, but I remember the reason why that story comes to mind is because I was trying so hard to feel something. I was trying so hard to connect with like an emotion, right? Like somebody care for me. Does somebody see my heart? It wasn't even the girl, you know? It was the fact that I was longing for a deep heart connection. And so it's a funny story, but it proves the fact of like, hey, when we don't walk once again in that design of God, when we don't know our father and we don't have a natural father in our life who's there for us, our hearts ache. We long, we hurt. And until we find the language of Jesus, of the gospel, man, we're just going to kind of be on this, like, we're, we're going to live this life with such a tainted view and we're yeah. just going to make decisions that just lead us deeper and deeper into that hole. Yeah. You know? So for every Christian who is converted from unbelief to belief, there is a sanctification process. So we don't understand everything that God has for us or everything that God reveals in his word Mm -hmm. right away. We have a longing now, we have a a hatred for sin, we become new, but there's a lot of things that we still have to work out. I imagine just knowing your background that one of the most difficult things was God's design for marriage. Now you had that inherent sense of, okay, something's off, I, I need a father, a sense of belonging. But for these people, this mother that you've loved to hear, this is not God's design. What was that like for you working that out? Yeah. Well, when I first got saved, I really didn't even have that language, of right? Because everything was so new to of me. Course. So I didn't even, I don't even remember what I told my mom, to be honest. I don't remember fully, but as I've gotten older, you know, she sees my content. I'm very upfront in my content and I honor my mom, right? I'm like, mom, I love you. I'm so grateful and thankful for everything you've done for me. However, when you only have a mom, you can't do everything that God designed because you have one role and the father has another role. And I've had this conversation multiple times. And so for me, where I'm at right now is I'm like, Lord, you, in our culture, we have these prevailing narratives, right? And the thing that I really struggled with the most was actually not the marriage component. It was a component of sexual confusion and even addiction. Because when you're around that spirit, there's different expressions, right? We see the gender confusion, we see you know, pornography, we see all these different expressions, but it's the same spirit behind it all. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was actually my biggest struggle was I was like, okay, I'm not struggling personally with being attracted to men, but I am struggling in this area of lust. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was a challenge that I really had to overcome when I became a believer. 
Okay, y'all, let me pause and tell you about ExpressVPN. There are a lot of reasons why we don't trust the big tech companies, the profiling, the surveillance, the data harvesting, but what can you actually do about it? Is there anything that you can do to protect yourself, to protect much of your online presence? Yes, there is. You can use a VPN. I use the VPN from ExpressVPN, which is super easy to use. You got one account. It works up to on up to five devices. So I've got them on our phones, laptops, tablets, and we are totally covered. It anonymizes uh, your identity and it reroutes uh, your location. And so that's not publicly available. If you're connected to Wi-Fi, you are vulnerable to hackers, especially public Wi-Fi. So you just wanna protect your information, which these tech giants and hackers are selling to the highest bidder to try to make money off of you and your private information. You just wanna do as much as you can to protect as much of your online presence as possible. And a VPN is the best way to do that. I love using ExpressVPN because of how well it works and how easy it is to use. Go to expressvpn.com slash for a three month uh, for an extra three months for free with your subscription. That's expressvpn.com slash expressvpn.com slash Now that you are able to look back in retrospect, you're able to kind of put words to the longing and the orphan spirit that you said that you had. Do you now see some examples of the consequences of not having a father growing up before you were even able to put words into it, like the lack of even just like a masculine presence. Like what are some of those things that you see now looking back? Yeah. I mean, it's going to sound funny, but it's just the reality. I didn't know how to pursue a woman. Like I, in high school, I had no clue how to approach a woman. Like if that I was interested in, like I had no clue because I never had a father to say, Hey, this is how you respect women. Hey, if you're feeling this, there's one way to do it. You know, I had zero of that. So for so long in my life, I listened to culture, whatever music said, whatever the movie said, oh, that's what I have to do to be a man. Oh, that is what it actually means to pursue a woman. Oh, that's what it actually means to be successful, right? And then once again, when you come to the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes in you, you're confronted because everything you thought was truth is no longer truth. It's actually a lie and a facade. And so that was one of the biggest things I remember, like, it's like I had a light bulb moment, like, whoa, everything that I put my hope, my trust, my faith in is actually not the truth. Mm. It's a lie. And so that's been one of the, one of those things where I was like, wow, this is, this is truly what God has called me into is to stand and confront these issues of our day and say, Hey, you might be feeling a certain way. You might have a certain experience, but here's the truth that God has for you. And not only is it the truth, but it's better. Yeah. What's your response to the prevailing message of the day? There will even be some YouTube comments saying, Mm -hmm. um, you know what, you shouldn't try to change your mom or it's totally totally acceptable to be a so-called gay Christian. Mm -hmm. God doesn't have a particular design. Um, You understand where that person is coming from and why it's very personal for a lot of people. Mm But how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, on a practical level, if we look at thousands of years of the church, we know deep down, right? We know deep down, like, God, this is what your word says, and this is what's been practiced for thousands of years by the church. So anytime there's a Christian or somebody who would profess being a believer who is okay with gay marriage or living in a lesbian lifestyle, it's like, 
I want to actually have a real conversation with you because that expression is probably not the root issue. There's something deep down in your heart. There's, there's an experience, there's a moment, something that somebody has said, whatever the case may be. So my heart is like, do you actually want to have a real conversation with me or do you just want to toss names and words back and forth? Yeah. I, I'm not interested in getting in emotional debates with you. I'm interested in like, who are you? What's your heart? Where are you at with Jesus? Because when you have the real conversations and the real questions, you can't lie or you just walk away. And so any person that's in one of those boats, I'm like, let's have a real conversation. Yeah. Let's see, wh wh where are you coming from? Let me share my experience. Let's talk about the word of God. Let's see what Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us and let's have a real conversation. Yeah. That's what I love to tell people. Yeah, that's really good because it does come back to like a very fundamental understanding of who God is and what his word is. When we have the conversations about like, you know, proper sexuality, holy sexuality, and gender, things like that, that have turned into these political topics, which are really fundamentally biblical. I do. I agree. I think it's important to go back to what does that person believe about God? Yes. Because before we can talk about homosexuality, before we can talk about Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, all, Genesis 1, all these passages, mm -hmm. do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that he's trustworthy? Do you believe that he's authoritative? Do you believe that he made all of this and mm -hmm. therefore like can define things how he wants to define yeah. them? Do you believe that he knows what is best for you? Yeah. And then do you believe that he has revealed those things through his word? Yeah. Because that's really what we are debating. Rather than debating yes. these other issues, we're really debating who do you think is in charge? Mm -hmm. Is it you or God? That makes yeah. all the difference, right? Yeah, well, because Paul said, right, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't understand spiritual truths. Right. So that doesn't mean we don't quote the word of God. Of course not. But what it means is we need to actually talk about life experiences. We need to talk about what do you believe about creation? We need to actually talk about these things because it's so easy just to throw your opinion or whatever you may believe in one box and you never actually have to engage on the heart level. Right. Yeah. So many people are engaging up here. I want to engage right here. Yeah. I want to engage on the heart level. Yeah. I want to engage where what do you believe? What was your experience as a child growing up? How were your parents? Why do you believe this, right? Because when we actually talk about your actual life, it goes from me just saying, this is my opinion, to uh-oh, yeah. I have to actually confront what's in my actual heart yeah. and what I believe about God. Yeah, mm -hmm. and what you, once you've established with someone, if someone says, yes, I believe God is good, loving, authoritative, and mm -hmm. that his word is inerrant, then you can go from there. And then you can mm -hmm. say, great like here's you <laughs> yeah, know here's yeah. what the word says and god mm -hmm. is so gracious i think yes. to give us the privilege of clarity that the world doesn't have the world is waiting in chaos and confusion and god is not a god of confusion or chaos he's a god of peace he's a god of truth he's a god yes. of clarity and he's made these very contentious and hot button topics so clear for the christian absolutely that it's actually a privilege that we get to look at genesis 1 27 that mm -hmm. we are made male and female and say Awesome. Yeah. Like I don't I don't have to wade into all of these very confusing thought exercises about mm -hmm. gender bending and things like that because yeah. God has given us the gift of clarity in his word. I yeah. think sometimes people see God's word as like a burden that they mm -hmm. have to carry, that they have to apologize for or take mm -hmm. God off the hook for the culture. Really, it's such a privilege yeah. that we get that clarity. Yeah, and I even want to call the church higher too, right? Like there's two sides to this coin. It's like yeah, we're the church of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be the most loving, but at the same time, share the truth. And so many times we want to settle for one or the other, like all truth, all truth, all truth. And then we actually never love the person. 
if you don't feel loved by somebody, you're probably not going to have a conversation with them, right? Yeah. But at the same time, we have the other camp. It's all about love. It's all about what you feel. It's like, yeah, God is love, right? But at the same time, we have to share truth. Yeah. And so that's what I want to see take place is like, hey, we can have our beliefs and our thoughts, but are we willing to actually come together, have conversation, love one another, but actually share the truth with one another? Because yeah. that is an absolute game changer. Yeah. Absolute game changer. Yeah. First John 4, 8, God is love. But I, I like to say, but you cannot out love God. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people by apologizing for God's word or pretending that God didn't have anything to say about sexuality or about gender, yeah. they actually think that they are more loving or more compassionate or yeah. more empathetic than God is. Yeah. Because if God is love and he said what he said in Romans 1, he said mm -hmm. what he said in 1 Corinthians 6, he said what he said in Genesis 1, mm -hmm. therefore all of those things are loving. He can't mm -hmm. say something that is not loving or do something that is not loving because he is love. We're not yeah. told that we are love, but he is love. Therefore, the most loving thing we can always do is agree with him. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for all of us. That's difficult for all of yeah. us, you know, in relationships in different ways or even just confronting the sin in our own hearts, <laughs> you know, it can be difficult, but it's also a comfort to know, okay, if God says something that it is the most loving thing that I can say to yeah. Well, if we're Christians and we say we believe what we believe and there's a real eternity, how can, if, if I actually say I love you, but I don't even give you an opportunity to enter into eternity with God, do I actually love you? Right? Like if I say, oh, you know what? I want the best for you. I care about your life, but then I'm scared to go into these hard topics because I'm afraid of a relational dynamic or whatever the case may be. It's like, no, no, no. I have to do what Paul said. I have to set my sight on heavenly realities. Yeah. I can't be so focused on what's in front of me. Paul said, what we see now won't last forever, but mm -hmm. what we don't see will last forever. So yeah. if I truly love you and I truly care about you, I have to share the truth with you. Not because I want to hit you on the head and make you feel horrible. No, no, no. I want to give you an opportunity to say, listen, here is the real Jesus. The real Jesus, not only will he do X, Y, and Z for you because he's good, but he wants you to know him. Yeah. You know, God's greatest desire is not what we can do for him. It's being with him. And so many people, they come from this perspective. Well, if I come to God, I got to do this. Like, well, yes, if you love somebody, you do something for them. But his greatest desire isn't what you do. He wants to know you. He wants your heart to be filled with his love. He wants you to walk in peace, walk in joy, walk in hope. But if nobody, aka the church, if we don't give people an opportunity and explain that to them, how will they ever know? Yeah. Right? Romans 10. Unless somebody goes, how are they going to know? Unless somebody speaks, how are they going to hear? So that's our privilege, like you said, in our opportunity as a church. Hey, let me tell y'all about Patriot Mobile. They are America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Unfortunately, some of these other wireless providers, they uh, are supporting the politicians, the politics, the causes, the organizations that you and I simply do not agree with. And so they are using our money to fight against the things that we are fighting for. But that's not the case with Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you are supporting the things that they support. So the First and Second Amendment, sanctity of life, our veterans and first responders. Plus, they offer the same dependable coverage as the other networks. They make switching really easy. They've got a one 
100% US-based customer service team. Their customer service is top notch. Plus, you can get free activation if you use my code Allie. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie. Make the switch today. Use code Allie for that free activation. Patriotmobile.com slash Allie. Patriotmobile.com slash Allie. And obviously you feel a love in in multiple different ways for your mom that you don't feel for every person. You love her as a Christian. You love mm-hmm. her as someone who wants her to be saved, just as you love everyone that you encounter, but also this is your mother. Absolutely. This is a special connection mm-hmm. there. And so tell us a little bit more. You've referenced it a couple times about the conversations that you've had with her. Um, but tell us what that's like. It sounds like you mm-hmm. still have a good relationship, even though you mm-hmm. believe the things that you do, mm-hmm. not just about God, but about her state and mm-hmm. about who she believes that she is on yeah. a fundamental level. What has that been like? Yeah, so it's really funny because just over a year ago, before I got into full-time ministry, I was working for a social media marketing agency, making really good money, right? And the Lord said, hey, if you wanna pioneer a movement, you're gonna have to resign. So I resigned. So when you go from pretty good money to zero, it's a big situation. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because my mom was one of the first people to say, you know what? I'll be one of your monthly financial donors. And she knows what I do. Travel America full time, share the gospel, equip the church. Like she knows what I do. It's not like I'm just like, yeah, mom, I'm just kind of like speaking here and there. Like she knows, right? Number two, she'll call me from time to time and she'll say, and I watch one of your videos on social media, whatever it is. It's like, I, I sense something, I feel something. You need to keep doing that, yeah. <laughs> right? So she knows, mm. she knows that the Lord is, is working on her heart and she knows, that's why she won't come to one of my gatherings because she knows she'll get saved. <laughs> yeah. But our relationship it's like is- she's, she's like scared <laughs> of what the Holy Spirit is uh-huh. already starting to stir in her, mm-hmm. yeah. So our relationship is actually really good, which I know unfortunately is not the case for many people, maybe that are in my situation or my boat, but I think that's what happens when you're genuine with somebody, even if they disagree with you, if you're genuine, you share the truth in love, how can, I mean, sure, there will always be the, what I like to call the crazy people who just say, I'm not gonna accept that, I'm out, don't talk to me again. That's a small percentage. Most people, they'll have a conversation with you. So my mom and I, I've kept it real with her. I love her, she sees my life, but not only does she see my life, she sees the fruit of my life, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I'm gonna call somebody into the reality of who Jesus is, but I'm not bearing fruit in my life, it's gonna be a little challenging. It's a little iffy. And so I think all those components together have really allowed my mom and I's relationship to be on a healthy level while we share, while I share truth with her. Yeah. Right. And you said Mm -hmm. that you had a brother. I know you can't speak Mm -hmm. for your brother, but is he kind of in the same position that you are? Like, has he realized a lot of the same things that you have? So I'm actually the only Christian in my family. It's a really unique story because my mom, my mom never knew her father, my grandma, right? My grandma never knew her father, right? And so all the only family that I have is literally my mom, hmm. my brother. My mom has a few siblings, but I've only seen them once or twice. Now I share all this because I think really what we're getting into is the even bigger picture, which is, like I said earlier, we have a fatherlessness crisis. Yeah. We have a lack wow. of fathers. And there's three ways to look at this, right? Number one, you actually didn't have a natural father. Number two, you did have a father, but he didn't know the Lord or didn't represent the Lord well. Or three, you have a misrepresentation of the father. So if you have any of those happening in your life, it's really easy to end up in a situation like I did. Praise God that I met the Lord and now I have the Holy Spirit. But all those things I believe are the bigger issue and we're seeing it confronted on a cultural level. Do you still long to know who your biological father is? I've actually, no. 
it's surprising. I know most people go, don't you want to meet him and see him? And I don't. And I think one of the reasons why is this is going to sound like a really cheesy line, but I'm learning that the cheesy lines are usually the most true lines, right? When I met the father, he became my father and he fathered me from 16 years old till now. He's now taught me how to be a man. He's taught me how to pursue a woman. He's taught me what it means one day to lead a family, right? So as soon as you meet the father, all of a sudden you actually get to learn from the truest source. You get to meet, you get to learn yeah. from God himself. Yeah. And so in regards to the question, I've never really had this longing. Like if it was to happen or if, if he's somehow watching this, I'd, of course I'd meet him. I'd say, Hey, like, who are you? Cause I don't know. I, I don't know anything about him. Anything. I just know his height. And I think like eye color, right? Yeah. That's all I know. So I'd be curious. Um, but there's nothing in me that's like, man, I absolutely, this is like a life mission of mine. Like I must do this. Yeah. I don't really have a desire in that regard. Did you have mentors when you became a Christian and afterward in the church of older mm -hmm. men who kind of took you under their wing and helped mm -hmm. support you? I remember when I first got saved, cause keep, like I said, it was such a different world for me. Like it was going from, you know, literally darkness into light. And so there was a guy by the name of Chris and he became such a spiritual father to me in that season of my life. I remember him sometimes taking me home to church, you know, grabbing food for me and let me spend, letting me spend the night at his house once or twice a week or whatever the case may be. And even now in my life, I actually have two or three men who are much older than me, who I always go to for life things and spiritual matters, because it's so important to have people in your life who you allow to speak in. Yeah. But especially when you come from a background like me, where you don't, you never had a natural father, there still is that craving and that desire to say, man, I wish I could just sometimes, you know, lay on my father's chest, right? Or I wish sometimes I can just, he can just hug me. Or I wish sometimes he could just listen to me, right? Now I have that in the father, right? In God, but we're natural beings. We, we want someone in right here next to us to be able to comfort us in, in different moments of our life. So there is a desire for that, but it's not, I, I, it's not the desire for like the guy who actually, you know, donated his sperm yeah. and my mom was inseminated by, right? Yeah. And you will, you know, by the grace of God and according to the will of God, be a, a father one day, if that's mm -hmm. what's in store for you. You're not, mm -hmm. you're not married no. right now. And so as you think about the future mm -hmm. of fatherhood and knowing that you didn't have a natural example for that, like, what are your thoughts surrounding that? Is mm -hmm. that intimidating for you? Does it scare you a little bit? Are you... Mm -hmm just super excited to be mm -hmm. able to, I mean, you're, you would be breaking a generational yeah. experience that your predecessors had by providing a father for your yeah. child. So what are your thoughts? There's moments where I, where I think about it. I'm like, I don't know what to do, you know? And then I, I talk to other men. They're like, I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's parts of me that kind of go like, wow, like how, how am I going to handle that? Like, will I be a good father? But then there's the reality and the truth of, well, I have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to teach me how to lead, how to guide. I have the word of God. I can see practically what to do, things, how to lead my wife, how to love my children. So there's been moments where I was like, man, this is kind of scary and this is going to be really challenging. But I think where I'm at right now is it's actually something I'm looking forward to. I'm like, yeah. man, it's an honor and a blessing to be called a father. It's an honor and a blessing to build and to lead a legacy. And more importantly, to be a man of God in a culture that is just so anti-men. And you know, that's a whole other conversation, but so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm really excited to have children one day, to lead a family and to have a wife. 
Okay, quick pause to tell you guys about Jace Medical. This is an awesome company that provides an incredible service. It's the only service in the U.S. that prepares you for medical emergencies with antibiotics and the prescription medications that you take on a daily basis. So through Jace Medical, you can get a year's supply of the prescriptions that you and your family take, as well as much-needed antibiotics. Should something happen to the supply chain or your access to these medications are restricted for whatever reason, I think that we can all turn on the news and realize that the future is unpredictable. There are already shortages when it comes to different medications, and you don't want to be put in that position. You certainly don't want to put your children in that position. So this is a great way just to make sure that for a year, you've got the medications that you need. You go through their confidential telemedicine process. They'll get you those prescriptions, the antibiotics, plus your daily medications, and it just gives you peace of mind, a really great way to take care of your family. Go to jacemedical.com. Use code Allie at checkout. jacemedical.com. Com, code Allie, jacemedical.com, code Allie. Okay, tell us a little bit more before we end about what you do. California will be saved. I yeah. know you mentioned it at the beginning, but tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, well, when we look at California, it's really easy to say, it's so dark yeah. and it's so the crazy. Like, is, yeah. God, is God there in that state, yeah. right? But when we look at history, we see so much revival history and so many things, so many moves of God that have happened in the state. So I like to say it like this, California has a DNA of revival. It has a DNA of God doing spectacular things there. And so we know though, that what happens in California gets exported to the whole world. Whether for better that's, or for worse. Exactly, whether that's the kingdom of darkness yeah. or the kingdom of light, it's gonna get exported. So what we decided to do is in 2020, there's this guy by the name of Gavin Newsom. Mm, <laughs> who, I've heard of him, I've heard of him. <laughs> who is the governor of California. And he tries shutting the church down, which will never happen. But yeah. in that moment, I remember looking on the TV screen. And if we go back to 2020 for a second, because we like to easily forget, it was crazy, but especially in California. And so in that moment, I remember I met a friend of mine by the name of Joel and we're just having, we're just becoming friends. He leads worship, he sings. And we're like, we got to do something in California. Something has to be done. We can't, we know the answer is not just to sit in our house, watch a TV screen. Like we have to do something. We show up at Huntington Beach in August of 2021. Huntington Beach is an iconic beach in SoCal. Thousands of people there. We bring a full sound system. We do live worship. We preach the gospel. And I'm not kidding you, salvation broke out. I mean, people are walking on the boardwalk, coming up to us saying, I heard what's happening here. What do I do to get saved? Like book of Acts type of encounters right? We had people get delivered of drug addictions. We baptized people in the ocean. And so after that night happened, we weren't trying to create a movement or a ministry, but we kind of looked at each other and we said, I think God is doing something. And so we decided to name it California Will Be Saved because we believe that whatever happens in California is going to happen all throughout the nation and the nations of the earth. And yeah. so if the narrative is flipped in California, what does that look like for the rest of Yeah, the I mean, that's true. California exports its values, its policies yeah. to the rest of the country. America then turns around and does the same thing to the rest mm -hmm. of the world. So I, I think that is really interesting to look at it from that perspective. And, mm -hmm. you know, we talk a lot about how dangerous and difficult it can be to raise your children in a place that you know is diametrically opposed yeah. to your values. And there is discernment that parents need to have there. There are parents who say, you know what, I we cannot live mm -hmm. in a place like this. But at the same time, we don't want 
all Christians to flee the darkness (laughs) in the same way that I talk about, okay, it's still important for Christian teachers, if they can, if they're convicted to do so, to stay in government schools, even if you take your children out. And so there's a time and a place and people that God calls to particular places And we are to be light and darkness, not just like a little diffused nightlight, but one that shines really, really brightly. Um, So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you're doing that. And where can people learn more about it? Yeah, our social media, if you just type in California will be saved, or you type in my name, Ross Johnston, on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you're at, you'll definitely be able to find us and see us. But one thing I want to share really quick. Yeah. In the last three years, I've only had maybe one or two people out of I can't even give you a number of those who I've preached the gospel to only one or two have actually said no. So I want to encourage us as the body and people who maybe are looking at California, like it's crazy there. It's like, if we would just actually share the gospel in love and truth, you'd be surprised at what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I'm sure that, I don't know, we haven't even worked it all out. I'm sure that there are theological differences. Maybe Mm -hmm. that you and I have your, I would probably describe you as more charismatic Mm -hmm. than what my church would be, but we share in the ultimate goal of seeing people change by Jesus Christ and knowing that nothing is too dark, nothing is too far off, nothing Mm -hmm. is too depraved or too desperate that God Mm -hmm. cannot save it and redeem it and turn it into something beautiful. Absolutely. Um, And so in that we're, we're co-laborers and and I appreciate that so much. Um, Thank you. So people can, People can find out online about California will be saved. There's mm-hmm. been some articles written about it. Can they follow you? Do you have social media yeah, and stuff? Yeah. You just type in my name, Ross Johnston, R-O-S-S-J-O-H-N-S-T-O. You have to put two N's because somebody took my original name. Rude. So I know. Come on. That's so rude. How can that Ross happen? Ross Johnston. I would never <laughs> think that anyone else would be named. I never that. thought that either. So yeah, if you just go on social media, Instagram's the main place you can find me, but I love to connect, love to hear your story. You have questions, whatever the case may be. Um, we're all in this, like you said, for Jesus. And And when the church comes together, like we just talked about, man, there's such a beautiful blessing that God has. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ali. 